It doesn't matter what line of work you are in. You've probably had a terrible boss once or twice. Terrible bosses come in many forms and ways. You have the tyrant who says, my way or the highway. Then you have the lazy, checked out boss who always seems to be playing on their smartphone every time you pass by their office. Then you have the micromanagers who do everything their way because no one else is able to rise to their level of execution. But I bet you've had at least one inspirational boss during your career. They may be a mentor or have served as one for a period of time, helping you navigate your career paths. If you could only stay in one position for the rest of your career, we could easily guess which boss you'd want to work underneath. Nobody gets to their station in life by accident. It takes a lot more than hard work to get to the top. You have to deal with dozens, maybe hundreds of relationships on your journey. To be recognized as a potential leader, you must prove that you have the skills every step of the way. So what are those leadership skills that help you stand out from the crowd? Over this next episode, you're going to learn to speak the language of leaders by acting and talking in ways that separate you from the rest of the herd. You're going to hear about how great leaders can be vulnerable and strong, who you might consider in your circle of influence, and why you don't want to isolate yourself as a leader. Hi, my name is Kirby Ingalls, and you're listening to the True Success Podcast. My goal is to help you find true success by helping you live a rich and satisfying life, a life of happiness and meaning, and becoming a pillar of your community. This podcast is designed to inspire you to write a new narrative, revolutionize the way we live, and create a ripple effect that resonates with future generations. Being a leader today can be difficult. Business has grown complex. Your focus is pulled into a dozen different directions and cognitive agility is ever so important. Those we interact with are found around the globe. And much of our interactions are through email and video conferences. In our society, everything can change at the drop of a dime. And when things do change without notice, it is easy for leaders to blame externally. Their employees and organizations. If only people would just do their jobs. Executives could make up their minds and be consistent. The organizational structure no longer works and needs to be changed. If you find yourself blaming others, you are making a huge mistake. The only thing constant is change. And you can only effectively improve who you are and what you do. The only way to become a better leader is to focus on your skills and not on others. First, 
you have to start caring and take things personally. If you don't take it personally, you can become detached from your work, lose motivation, and make, may begin making unethical decisions. You don't ha- want to take it so personal that you take on more than you can handle and you begin to burn out. You have to exercise some self-compassion and emotional regulation while striving to optimize social connections and building relationships. And here's how you deliver. In one of my favorite books, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey introduces the concept of the circle of concern and the circle of influence. The circle of concern is those things that worry you, but you don't have control over. This includes the people you work with. And the circle of influence focuses on what you can do something about. These are the things that you can impact. If you want to take things personally the right way, you need to focus on the items within this circle, not the circle of concern. For example, one of my clients works in finance for a large social media company. He's great with numbers and deals with payroll all day long. But he is an individual contributor and doesn't have much management experience. He worries about his lack of interpersonal skills. So for the last five years, he's been avoiding going out of his comfort zone and sticks to the numbers rather than people. Now, if you were to take this more personally, he'd realize that improving his people skills is essential and worthwhile. What's more He might notice that this is something in his circle of influence, and it's something that he can control for himself. During the time of COVID, he and many others that I've coached often discuss how they've lost their interpersonal skills, and networks have gotten smaller. They've even lost touch with those close social connections, and all you really have to do is make an effort to socialize more. Rather than responding by email, pick up a phone or dial up a video conference. Meet for coffee around the corner if you must. Even volunteer for projects that require working as part of a team. Just by working on this, your circle of influence grows. Thanks for listening to the True Success Podcast. Join the conversation today. Download and subscribe free on iTunes. Remember some of the best supervisors you've had. What are some of the ingredients of leadership styles that work for them? Notice a trend here? Just like kids mirror parents' behavior, we mirror the behaviors of those we admire. If you want to be a leader and motivate others, you need to become the person that you desire. How is this accomplished? First, you need to assess your leadership style. Do you know there are six levels of leadership? Well, the first level is the isolated leader who works with a few people. They tend to be manipulative and only worry about themselves. 
Level two is an interested leader, and this leader is somewhat more involved, but doesn't demand much respect from superiors or people who work for them. Level three is the involved leader, and this leader unquestionably gets the job done. But their performance reports are mediocre because they've taken on more than they can imagine or manage. And level four is an integrated leader. And this is a leader who gets noticed. And people are excited by their work. But they're seen as possessing potential but not having attained success. And level five is the influence leader. And this outstanding networker is active inside their company and externally as well. And hard workers with respect for getting things done. And level six is an inspired leader. And this innovator has fostered working relationships with everyone from the CEO down to the lowest level worker within your organization. And if you want to govern the organization, this is the level you need to be at. So to determine the level that you're at requires a good, solid look and realistic reflection of the strengths and weaknesses that you have. Concentrating on areas of development can mold you from an interested leader to an inspired one. Leaders come in all different types, but can be classified into three different categories. An active leader, a directive leader, and a perceptive leader. Each of these has its own leadership language. And to be the best, you have to pull from each other at different moments and in different circumstances. First, start by examining how you could become an active leader. To be that active leader, the key is to have courage. You must face your fears, which might be scary, but it isn't as hard as we make it out to be. Most of our worries in business do not threaten your life, and they can topple with the right amount of effort. When I was officiating high school baseball or serving in the military or even a Toastmaster in Toastmasters International, preparation was key to courage. And we can anticipate situations that will happen and then plan, prepare, and train for them as well. For example, in my coaching practice, I role play with members who might be afraid to stand up and disagree with their bosses or even colleagues during a meeting. But if they plan, prepare and train for the situation by understanding why they differ, prepare for the counter argument and role play different conversation variations, they face the fear and stand up for what they believe. Courage can spread like wildfire. You've probably witnessed a hiccup, a sneeze or a yawn that becomes contagious. Well, so can courage. Leading by example inspires others. And it can be challenging and as well uneasy, but participating displays integrity and confidence in setting you apart. Courage goes hand in hand with strength. However, being a strong leader isn't about tackling fears. Strength means you're willing to make hard decisions, even if they are unpopular. A strong leader isn't cutthroat. They know how and when to make calls, but don't tank morale. For example, 
You've been promoted and are now in charge of a project that has dragged on much longer than desired. It has to go. But how do you take it off the table? Suppose you cut sling without contemplation on who is affected and how by your decision. You may be seen as a careless and ruthless individual. The solution may be gather input from your team and take the time to ensure that they all agree on what needs to happen next. Owners remember there is a distinction between fear and respect. A culture of fear tanks an organization's morale and kills its productivity. You don't want people to see you as the one who is habitually cruel, insulting, or threatening to others. Treat others with respect, and you will receive the same consideration in return. And by mastering courage and strength, you'll cast a confident, calm image that calls for respect from your supervisor and the people who've been trusted to your care. The key in directive leadership is maneuvering situations, circumstances, and people to achieve the best results. How do you do this? Well, directive leaders are proficient in managing their environments and surrendering power to others. Let's start with managing the environment. This is going to require a three-phase approach called observe, interpret, and intervene. For instance, you want to move from sustainability to procurement. But every time you sit down with your boss, she's too distracted. Emails and calls keep her attention. You know previously she has said to you that you need more time. And she's just too busy to focus on your development. The easiest solution would be to get her out of that distracting environment. Maybe an off-site coffee or chat and chew, maybe a walk and talk. In other words, observe the behavior, interpret the problem, and intervene to improve the situation. Transparency is core to managing the environment. This doesn't mean creating open workspaces or leaving the office for team chats. You be fully honest with people about your thinking process and aims. You need to say why you're taking distinct actions as well as being transparent. A directive leader should be willing to surrender power to others, and this involves giving up a degree of control. Giving up control is challenging, but worthwhile. When team members are empowered, given autonomy over their work, they are more invested in your goals and the company. So how do we effectively relinquish power? It starts with your awareness. We believe the best solutions are the ones that we generate. And every problem can be solved in several ways. And who knows? Someone else's solution might be the winner. Being aware of our opinions and concepts aren't always the best, but begins to yield control to others. Next, surrender power upwards. Having the strength and fortitude to stand up to your boss isn't generally a diplomatic approach. 
Hey, just let the boss win the debate and save that energy for a critical discussion later. Occasionally, it's good a good idea to let them take credit for something and make them look good too. By managing the environment and yielding power, you demonstrate you are a collaborative innovator ready to take deliberate shots. Okay, now it's time to talk about perceptive leaders. So let's start with trust. Trust is challenging to build up. And only time and patience will get people to trust you. Worse than that, it can be lost in a heartbeat. One wrong decision and it's like going over Niagara Falls in a barrel. How do you build the trust effectively? Well, trust is built on credibility, respect, and fairness. And credibility gives you the authority to have hard conversations. Respect commands everyone to listen attentively. And treating others fairly eliminates the fear of reprisal. Trust goes both ways. Trustworthiness just can't be proven. You have to show you trust those around you first. And surrendering power is a way of demonstrating that trust. You must increase collaboration and permit transparency. By empowering others to have autonomy or valuing their ideas and decisions, you show confidence in them. And being aware of building trust is one thing, but you also must be mindful of how quickly it can be torched. There are five major threats to trust. That's inaction, competition, fear, blame, and gossip. Now, fear, blame, and gossip are pretty apparent, but inaction is a little tricky. For example, you let your boss know that you've interviewed for a couple of different positions within the company. You told them that you're seeking a leadership role versus being an individual performer in your current job that you've been filling for the last five years. And when they hear this, they let you know that they would like you to take a new position that they just created within the division and lead up a team. But for weeks and even months, You've been letting them know what your desire is, and they didn't share this information with you or anyone else in the office for that matter. This is inaction, and it can be a sign that the supervisor doesn't trust anyone internally to do the job. They would instead not hire or hire outside than promote someone who might deserve it. So how do you think the team feels when they find out? Do you think that they would feel trusted? Look, healthy competition is okay to keep people motivated and moving forward, but used inappropriately can suck the life out of an organization. Managers who are focused on individual competition and performance can eat away at the overall work team. And when we create too much competition, sometimes team members would instead crush each other for their livelihood and future than even see everyone else succeed. This is how you develop trust and becoming a perceptive leader. But trust is only half the equation here. And communicating vulnerability is the other half of this equation of a perceptive leader's strength. 
Hey everyone, thank you for being a listener. I hope that you loved this episode. If you do, would you consider posting a review online? This helps continue providing great episodes and helps keep potential listeners to make confident decisions about listening to this podcast over other ones. And I want to thank you in advance for your review and for being a preferred listener. So check out this review by Jordan Gross, who recently said, This podcast is awesome because the host really cares about his guest. It is so evident that he takes great time and pride into getting ready for these interviews. Thank you, Jordan, for your wonderful review. When you hear vulnerability, what do you think? Weakness? Something you hide at all costs? A great leader needs to show they are strong and resilient. Not vulnerable. Right? Not at all. Deep connections with people happen when you allow yourself to feel vulnerable in front of others. Great leaders show and encourage vulnerability in themselves and their people. And we aren't talking about every meeting becoming a therapy session here. Sharing a part of your story goes far. Even phrases like, I'm sorry, or I didn't think about that, demonstrate that you don't have all the answers and you can learn. See, vulnerability can be overused. And if you play on someone's sympathy, you can appear manipulative. So how do you strike that right balance? How do you express vulnerability without begging for forgiveness? See, the best way is to seek feedback and opinions. By doing this, you appear vulnerable. And simply asking for help shows you're a human being. So look for opportunities to connect one-on-one. And when you speak, right, treat them as humans. Don't treat them as if they were the problem. Get on their level and share that space. Talk about your mistakes. Connect with them on a personal level. You may be curious how to appear vulnerable and strong at the same time. Is it possible to reflect all the language styles of leadership? You don't have to. The key to mastering all six styles is balance. And to master all those styles, you need to know when and how each one is most effective. If you are too strong in a situation that desires vulnerability, you may be viewed as mean and unfeeling. If you surrender power when you should show bravery, you look like you're taking a pass. And to strike the proper balance is called experience and also self-awareness. Every opportunity is a moment that you can practice. Take an honest look at yourself and what you're trying to accomplish and why. And as a leader, if you're not looking at your own words and actions, someone else is. It takes a lot of work to be an effective leader. And there are many ways to go about that. There are a few skills and approaches that you need to develop. You need to be courageous and strong. You must be able to manage the environment and surrender power. Finally, 
you must cultivate trust and be vulnerable. Rather than being all things at once or all the time, you're going to have to learn which situation and what circumstances work the best for each. Now it's up to you to put all this information into action. Please check out the links in the show notes, download a copy of the transcript, and support us by smashing that like button. Leave a comment or review on whichever platform you are listening to this show on. Now go out and carry this story forward. My name is Kirby Ingalls. I appreciate you listening to this episode. Honor your service to others and love the impact that you are creating. You've been listening to the True Success Podcast. I'll see you next time. Thank you.